Hey everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and I am joined today by my dear friend, Brendan Burnt. Brendan is an actor, podcaster, and former vlogger who has major passions for both directing and writing. After attending four years as a part of the Penn State BFA in acting program, Brendan made the big move to New York. Less than a year later, the pandemic hit hard and Brendan found himself back home in Columbia, Maryland, trying to figure out his next steps. Thank God that he has his own podcast stuck in my head to keep him sane and moving forward. So hello, Brendan. Hey. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I also and... have thoughtful intentions to thank for that as well. Just as a, a nice. For what? For your. A nice, for you. Yeah. It's you, the way, the way you conduct this thing, man. It's so much, so nice to listen to. It's like a really relaxing way to, to move through the day, you know? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, of course. I try. Um, well, oh, that was so sweet. I'm really excited to <laughs> to to chat with you today. Me too. Um, I, as I mentioned to you before, I really want to talk about all things like acting, writing, vlogging, podcasting, and kind of whatever life experiences have shaped your worldview at this point in time, especially as sure. an artist. Um, and kind of anything we would talk about normally anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lucky that we have such a good rapport as friends and now you are an expert podcaster as well. So this Oh, is sure. <laughs> sure. 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 I must, I must say, I was telling Fiona this yesterday uh, when we, cause Fiona is also going to be a guest on my podcast at some point, but you know, all I do when I have guests on my podcast is just send them a text. Hey, we're going to record on this day. If you want to like be there for it. And then they're like, great. Fiona has got like, can I share behind the scenes of thoughtful? Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> Fiona was like, "Hey, are you? Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Of course I do." And I get a big, long, really professional email uh, going over all things details about the podcast and uh, a professional like Zoom invite and everything. It was just like my mind was blown. So no, when you talk about expert podcaster here, no, you know? I, and as I told you, it's only because that's the. Um, easiest way for me not to ask a million questions afterwards and like no, I love it. annoy my guests like more than I already do. Well, that's definitely what I do though. It's like, I remember when, when I had Graham on the podcast, I don't know if this, people know who Graham is, but I had a person named Graham on the podcast once and he was our very first guest. And then I had to call him like three times afterwards yeah. to go over, to go over a couple different things. Yeah. So no, I'm definitely stealing. Well, I got, I got lucky because, you know, my first guest is my father. So <laughs> 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 I just like went downstairs at the time and I was like, uh, wait, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, thank you for, mm-hmm. for sharing that and for saying that. Um, okay. Just so you know, I kind mm-hmm. of envisioned, um, kicking this off with, uh, things that are happening right now and then dialing it back to what, um, your expectations were prior to entering the real world, so to speak, and how that has kind of changed. So, kind of taking a present past future approach here yeah okay no let's do it um and first of all (laughs) i have to ask this because i was shocked uh and this might be breaking news for some people because it was breaking news for me but you mentioned that you now don't like vlogging and no i don't when did that happen (laughs) um yeah that's what a what a great start i started (laughs) vlogging uh I don't know. It was early. One of those you were an early one. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. It was one of those things where like, I remember being in middle school and, and like watching like people on YouTube, just like make it ginormous all like out of nowhere and be like, I could do that. You know, I like really envisioned myself um, doing that. Uh, and that was before I even knew, like I wanted to perform in any sense of what that meant. Uh, and so, you know, just started uh, like yeah. brainstorming ideas. We even way back then for that. Right. But then I got to college and I sort of uh, began to understand uh, what it, the actual work that it takes to be on YouTube. Wait, because what about takes- like high school? You, you realized in middle school and then where's the high school part? Mi- uh, yeah. I like, uh, so middle school, I just was like, Hey friends, let's do it. And we didn't know what we were doing. So it, it didn't last. Of I course, mean, yeah. Cause we're well, also school. YouTube in middle school, I feel like such a different environment than it is now. Well, I just remember like shoes like that that video or yes yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or like he had a muffins one or you know just really <laughs> chaotic right energy. those ridiculous chaotic energy yeah, yeah and like ray william johnson i think was back then too um and and that's what it was back then too it was like let's do sketches and let's film it on our crappy camera and we don't know anything about how to do that but we're gonna just do it um and so you know obviously that didn't last high school high school was i think when i really started to get into performing a little bit. And so my focus was just like, I was still, I I was still integrated into the like YouTube environment a little bit, but the, the focus wasn't so much on like filming things around me. Right. Um, If I'm completely honest with you, where vlogging came from, like specifically vlogging uh, was this sort of, uh, I had a friend in college who he and I would have like, a lot of conversation about how to break into the entertainment world and how to break into that field of things. And this was before like the big Logan Paul scandal uh, and, you know, a bunch of other things. And what we were seeing was the YouTube platform had changed dramatically uh, into just being like daily, every single day content of just filming people's lives. Right. And it seemed like it wasn't that hard to do because it kind of was just like, let's just put a camera there and like, let's just make things happen. Um, and so that's what, that's what I started to do in college as a way of oh, like, you did so much more than that. I did a lot in college, but we're it, like, in the, no, but in I the mean vlogging, like in your vlogs, like you, uh, it was, so, it was so much more organized than you're making it out. Well, to that's kind of the reason that I don't like it is because I was forcing things to happen so that I could make content. Mm -hmm. And what I found, because I don't know how many you were a part of back then, but what I found was in order for like content like that to work, you need other people. It can't just be about you. You need to like be, have other people be a part of you, especially like if you're not absolutely filthy rich, you know what I mean? Because if you're filthy rich, you can do whatever, kind of whatever you want, but otherwise the the content that people want to see is like whether they realize it or not i think is the interactions with people and how why these interactions are extraordinary as opposed to ordinary so like i was dating someone at the time and she was very like prevalent in the that vlog atmosphere but i found that like it interfered sometimes like it wasn't it like there were times when i pulled out the camera when there was no reason to pull out the camera. And the only reason I pulled out the camera was because 
I knew I needed something. And so, cause, cause that's what it took. That's what it took to, to, uh, be on that platform in a way that people wanted to engage with at least back in 2018, 2019. Um, it took consistent content and it took sort of the same content people, people, I think, and this is probably true in real life, just like in general, I think that people like to be familiar with what they're going to see as opposed to seeing something brand new. So like, uh, my favorite, you know, one of the ideas that I had when it came to vlogging was like, what if I did a vlog and then based on something that happened in the vlog, I made like a sketch out of it and that didn't work. People just didn't care about that. Um, so, but yeah, but I think like when it, when it came to vlogging specifically, I just became really unhappy with how it was getting in the way of like my relationships with people. Like Mm -hmm. if, if I can be completely vulnerable for a second, yeah, please. I think that one of my relationships ended because I vlogged too much because I would pull the camera out when, when, uh, it just wasn't necessary. Like I filmed her whole birthday and that's her day. That's not fair of me to do that. Um, so yeah, I was becoming really unhappy with how that was being portrayed, how that was happening and how inauthentic it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started to move in a little bit of a different direction when I moved to New York, where, I was like, let's just give tips on what it's like living in the city. And I would do that sort of that sit down format. And then I would make a sketch out of that, which was a lot more like, which was a lot, uh, it it filled me more creatively, I think, but it also took a lot more work, uh, Mm. than what I had time for. And so now like, I think about where the, you know, the projects that I have going on in my life and, uh, what's going on with you know, the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, which I'm sure we're going to get more into, but it sort of became clear to me that YouTube was just like YouTube in general for me, is just not a priority anymore. And maybe it will be again one day, but when it, that won't happen until like, I'm in a space where I'm making the work for me and less about what I think YouTube wants to see probably, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, that's, that's super fair. And I'm glad I asked because I didn't really know, um, any of that honestly yeah so that's really yeah yeah Yeah, I think that vlogging can be really really dangerous too because like you know we we can I think it's really easy and I'm not excusing anything or anybody I think it's really easy to like just look at what Logan Paul did just as an example because you brought it up earlier and be like what a what a jackass for doing that you know what I mean yeah but I feel pretty good about putting money down that if he were not making the content that he were making, he probably wouldn't have been pushing for something so extreme and and graphic in nature. He probably doesn't even go on that trip uh, to do whatever he was doing on that trip. um, Right. Except for the views. Right. If he wasn't vlogging every day, because you're constantly uh, looking for something in your life that is out of the ordinary and, and pushing for that, you know, the most, uh, the biggest, um, the, the vlog that I have that has, you know, the most views is one of the ones where I'm in London and I'm out and about in London. And so that's the type of stuff that people want to see. And that was, uh, an extraordinary day for me. But then I also have, you know, vlogs where I don't know, I, I'm just 
literally just talking to a camera and trying to force things to happen. And I've had people watch that and like message me and be like, are you okay? Like, are you, is everything okay? Which is obviously not the reaction that I want. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so that's, that's kind of the story there. Yeah, no, that sounds like, I mean, that sounds pretty toxic. And, and I know that a lot of social media, not that I, I don't really know that I would I guess it is social media, but it's a little bit different, but still in the same way of just this like highlight reel concept um, that's certainly unachievable every day. So I, exactly. I'm, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, cool. Well, good to know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so instead of vlogging, you are still doing some other super creative uh, endeavors. And that's where I kind of want to just ask you what's up right now. Like catch me up. I know you're working on the podcast. There's yes. a move to LA pending and you're auditioning yes. a lot more, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's, yeah. it's really exciting. Um, going into the pandemic, like obviously things shut down. Um, I do have representation in my representation. And I had a, a long conversation about like, you know, what is sort of best for me right now. And uh, way back then, uh, is what I mean. And we sort of decided like, there's no point in being in a city if nothing's happening in the city or not enough's happening to, um, you know, make the most of it. And so, uh, I ended up moving home, uh, and, you know, sort of working on myself a lot, uh, in that time, which in that way, I was really grateful to, to the pandemic for giving me that, just that pause to be able to just sit back and evaluate, like how, how have things gone and, and where can I grow and develop on my own a little bit and, and just be a, you know, a better human being and then a better artist coming out of it. And I think I, to be honest with you, I completely reshaped the way that I view what I do for a living, um, in that time, uh, in that acting is, is about human experiences. And so part of your study on being an actor is just like doing other things with your time. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, like now I have all these plans to do things that have nothing to do with acting, but I think will will serve me better in the long run. But now that things are opening up again, um, Yes, auditions have been picking up quite a lot uh, in a little bit of an overwhelming way, um, uh, which I'm, you know, is not a problem. I'm very, very grateful to that. Uh, but it just shows Has me it been that scary. Like, like, do you feel rusty at all, or, or it's? You're I fine. do feel rusty. I do feel rusty. Absolutely. I, the thought of me picking up a monologue right now, just I, I thought about it the other day, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no." <laughs> well, you know, and I, I've talked about this on my podcast a little bit. Um, I, I'm really frustrated by the uh, the the concept of like what you just specifically said with monologues. I feel like in school we were taught a lot about how to, you know, dissect a monologue and analyze a monologue, uh, which is really really great work, and then preparing it for an audition. I don't know about you. I haven't, I've had to do one monologue professionally in an audition before. Um, and it was for a Shakespeare play. So that made sense, uh, you know, just in that concept. Um, so what's, what's nice is I think acting by yourself is like way harder to do than, uh, acting with another person. 
So I've been lucky in that any auditions I've been getting, I've been, I've had a reader and I've been able to like act with another human being uh, in the room or over, over zoom audio. Um, uh, and I definitely do, do feel rusty. I also, this is such a weird profession, man, because there's so much, <laughs> there's so much that has to go has like plays into who gets cast and who doesn't, that has nothing to do with acting. Um, and that's, I think, where I struggle the most is like just picking the right thing to wear or mm. uh, having my hair look a certain way on that day. Um, so I'm absolutely like after, after the pickup of, of auditions that I've seen, I'm like, okay, let's, let's brush your shoulders off a little bit. Let's, let's go find another acting or audition class to, to join and, and, and see what's up. So that's currently what I'm searching for right now. Okay. Well, I'm, um, yeah, glad, yeah. I'm glad that you, um, well, first of all, I'm glad that it's picking up. Like that's huge. And, and enough so that you want to get back in class like that. I mean, that's a completely, that's just like a 180 from what we were seeing just a few months ago. So I'm, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yes. That. Me too. Um, and this is kind of like a random question, but just in, in line with, uh, talk of the present. Okay. Wait, actually, Actually, I want to ask this first. Okay. Are you torn between? I, okay. <laughs> I the answer is yes. You, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you what TV show you would put yourself in right now. But while you're thinking about that, I also wanted to ask, like, if you're torn between theater and film at all, or if that's like been a back and forth thing, or if that um, is informing your audition search right now, or your move to LA, or any of that. Uh, all of all of what you just said is is informing everything. I think the the big reason to go to Los Angeles instead of moving back to New York is because I don't consider myself a strong singer and or dancer. And I also, if I'm honest, just don't have a lot of interest in doing those things mm-hmm. uh, as, as a performance. Um, and so as a result, being in New York, I felt like while the opportunities were there, I felt like I was cutting myself off from like 60% of what I could possibly go and do. You know what I mean? Whereas Los Angeles, that just isn't as much of a, um, of a drive for what they're looking for all the time. Um, and I've seen that like in auditions that I've gotten, I've any audition that I've gotten that would like require me to fly out to Los Angeles. Uh, I don't think I've had to like sing ever. But there have been several things that like New York has sent me, even like voiceover stuff where I don't even have to leave my home where they're still like, yeah, no, no. Can you just sing 16 bars of this? Mm. And, you know, I'll do it. That's fine. I just, (laughs) it's just not necessarily what I'm interested in. And it's also not necessarily a strength I hold. So that's a big reason why I would like to go to Los Angeles instead of New York and probably do film and TV over theater is just because, uh, of that like one thing. I am absolutely in love with theater and there's so much um, about performing on a stage that I prefer to performing on on screen. But I think that until I really develop like a higher name for myself, crossing those bridges into the theater world is just harder. And I feel like I'll have an easier time um, breaking into to film and TV. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So it really is like it's it's got nothing to do with like having a preference of one over the other. Um, but it really is just like 
a business decision for me, you know? I, um, no, I, I think that that's fair. And I, I, I think a lot of decisions in this, um, industry can end up feeling like emotional decisions. And I mm-hmm. appreciate every kind of logical business decision that you yeah. make in the process because yeah, yeah. otherwise it can, it can just feel like a lot. I agree. That's so interesting. You say that. I think, I think that because of what, um, the theater world asks of, of people, uh, in terms of being vulnerable it, you sort of feel like sometimes that's what the entire industry is, is, but the reality is, is that it's a business. It is absolutely 100% a business. And, um, and that's sort of hard to, uh, I think connect with the connect. Yeah, exactly. Connect with those things sometimes just because it's like, I don't know. It, you don't want it to feel like a business. Nobody wants it to feel like a business, but it absolutely is. And well, so it's also because you, you end up being the, a, your own business in a way. Right. You know? Right. Which exactly. feels uncomfortable for some people yes. and weird and hard to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have had the confidence to say that a year ago. Like that's something that I sort of figured out during the pandemic as well as like, okay, where, where does my view of what I'm doing need reshaping? Oh, let the reality is I'm my own business here. I'm my own brand and I need to learn how to sell that brand uh, and, and see how that brand can help other people's needs. You know what I mean? Um, and when I took that turn, uh, to it, I was motivated to, I was much more motivated to do a lot of the, the other heavy lifting stuff that I think people don't like, which, uh, in some regard is the social media stuff, the website building, uh, the making connections, you know, and the, the stuff that has got almost nothing to do with actual performing. Yeah. Yeah. Networking sort of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what TV show would you put yourself in right now? So I this... have a sense of what brand Brendan is going for. Yes. So there are things that I want to do. And then there are things that the industry wants me to do. So uh, I think that like a great comparison, this is going to sound so bad actually, but I think that the, the way that the industry sees me oh, is, um, is, uh, I think his name's Bryce from 13 reasons why the bad guy, the bad guy in 13 reasons why, you know, the, the, I'm not super scrawny. So like the more, uh, broad chested, you know, bully in like a high school or college setting, um, it's either that, or it's like the best friend of the lead who, uh, doesn't get the girl in the end, or it's like (laughs) something military based, like something where I have to, you know, like be disciplined in that way. Um, that's, that seems to be a lot of the, the work that's calling for me. Um, and then the, you know, just the generic, like white guy in a business suit, you know, like that seems to be, you know, pretty, what, what people go for as well. What I would love to do, the type of work that I would love to be doing at some point is, like some long running dramatic show like Peaky Blinders, I think would be like an absolute dream come true if you're familiar with that one. Um, I also just in general think that uh, the aesthetic and style of uh, British television as opposed to uh, American, American television is more actor friendly as opposed to consumer friendly, which I think just, and this is, as an opinion, people may completely disagree with me here. Um, He's cultured. Uh, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big cultural difference. And I think that I'd be more interested in, in doing the, the British stuff if, if the Brits will have me. Um, yeah. Does that, I think, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's so funny. Cause I remember, you know, in college being so consumed with this conversation and just how other people perceived me when I mm-hmm. walked in a room versus what I wanted to do. And I don't really even know that I came to a conclusion about what I wanted to do because I was so like engrossed in this concept, which can feel a little narcissistic and just uh, toxic in a way to be so concerned about how you're perceived. But it it's a weird line to walk because it, it does matter, you know? It, it, um, well, it absolutely matters because the like the, you know, you building your own brand here, it matters how people view your brand. And like, I think, I think the big lesson, and this is a thing with the, the YouTube stuff as well. People want to put you in a box. In fact, people want to put you in their box. And th- this is not a, a conscious act, I, I don't think. But, you know, you, you kind of, if you look at like several major, um, like ginormous, uh, gi- uh, hugely successful actors, their careers sort of start by them just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again, the same type of parts over and over and over again. You, in order to, I think, have success in this business, at least right now, you need to be able to be okay with other people saying, this is what you are doing. This is what you need to be doing. And then when you sort of develop that trust uh, and, 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 you know, manifestation may be part of it too. That's when you can start to break outside the box a little bit, but no, I completely agree with you that it almost feels like it doesn't re- really matter right now what I want to do, the type of work I want to be doing. Um, it more so matters where people but see it does. It, no, but it does because that informs the way that you walk into a room, you know, what you want to do. Like, if you want to go military, like that's a, that's just a certain way that you carry yourself. You know what I mean? Versus um, the, the ways that other people might mold or shape you. And of course, like, I think, I think at least for me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I was more concerned with being um, as versatile as possible. And mm. that kind of got in my way I think a little bit because it was less about what I wanted and how I carried myself and more about how can I be whatever this person needs which I don't know it's not it's not very clear and I agree with I agree with you there's probably more of a balance than the way that I said it um no but I understand like like we said from a business perspective you know you especially when you're breaking in more often than not, probably someone's going to decide for you. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. It's, it is, it is interesting. It, like, I think, so I do, I will admit that I do think this field is also pretty toxic on, on, a, for a variety of reasons and for, uh, and, and in varying levels of the business itself. And I think, um, while I think like I'm not I'm not saying actors themselves can't have their own toxic traits, but I do think that something that's sort of put onto the actors is kind of what you said is this idea that we need to do anything possible, uh, shape ourselves in any way possible in order to 
fit inside a box or succeed. And you should be grateful for that opportunity because the opportunity is an opportunity and, and you, you know, you should be saying yes to everything when like the reality is one of the, one of the first gigs I got, uh, I got an offer for, um, I'll, you know, try to not be super graphic. Uh, I immediately said yes, because it was a role. And I was like, yes, this is, this is exactly what I need, you know? But the reality was, is they were going to give me a prosthetic penis and then they were going to cut off the prosthetic penis, like on screen. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And if I really thought about it, I'm like, I'm not ready for that yet. I don't necessarily want my breaking into, you know, out of college life into the real world to be people watching oh that act happen, you know, and, and I did not and, know this. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't sure if I shared that with you before. Um, and so like, but I, I said yes to it because I, it was a role. It was one. It was one that had lines. It was one where I was going to get screen time and it was one where they were in a, cut off my penis. And, and I just, as it got closer, I realized more and more, I'm like, I, I don't think that's what I want. And I sort of took a stand for myself and I'm really, really happy that I did. Um, because another opportunity rolled right through anyway. And, and it was something that I was much, much more comfortable with, but I, 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 I sort of reflect back on that moment. And I was like, when I auditioned for it, I knew what was going to happen. I knew that that was what was supposed to happen. And yet I was like, I don't care. This is what I need to do. And I think that's placed on actors. And I think uh, sort of one of the major things that I want people to get from my own podcast, um, because I say, I'd say my targeted audience is like co- high school, college age kids who are wanting to try and break into the industry. Um, one of the uh, things like giant lessons that I want for them is to, uh, feel empowered to say no. Like if something does not work for you, if you are not comfortable with something, then there's no reason that you should have to say yes to it. And that even though it's a role, even though it's an opportunity, like your mental health, uh, your self-care and your comfortability should still take priority. You know, there are jobs that I ended up taking, um, uh, that, I felt like my safety wasn't a priority and I was really upset about it. I felt like manipulated and I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I'm a white guy. I'm privileged. Like nothing crazy happened. So I can't even imagine some of the, the like horrendous shit that people have had to do in order to, to get the shot, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's, I'm I'm really, really passionate about that. No. Yeah. And I'm glad that you have that um, intention as a, for a target audience, because I think that's super important and kind of in that vein, I just, because there's so much that I didn't realize or didn't know or learned when I came out of school. And so I kind of wanted to ask you too, pandemic aside, what were your expectations when leaving Penn state? Like how much do you feel like were kind of drop the mic moments that you didn't realize until you got to New York. Yeah. Um, we had, who's the, who's the main character in how I met your mother? Uh, like Ted what's Mayer. that actor's name? Uh, yeah. The guy. So the Josh, is it Josh Radner? Is, is that crazy to say that name? I think, I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Ted Mosby came to visit Penn state my senior year. Um, and one of the big takeaways that I got from him speaking to us uh, was 
the to how to prioritize your mental health. Like he really, I felt like he went over how to do that more so than like getting into the industry, you know, making connections, the things that you think you're going to get from a, from a meeting like that is like, no, it was like how to prioritize your mental health. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I had listened to him a little bit more because, you know, moving to New York city. And even though like I already had a nice community of people there that I just got to join, like I was very lucky in that, but moving to New York city, um, I think, right away, I got some cool opportunities. And then those opportunities fell through. And I didn't know how to deal with that, like rejection. I didn't know how to deal with that, that the the ramifications that that might have on my mental health. Um, and so when it comes to like, what I was expecting, I think I was expecting that I would have a part time job, and I'd have to uh, work hours that were ungodly some days, and that I would be getting up at 6 a.m. Uh, for auditions and, you know, hopping on the A train and, and going downtown and, and doing my thing there. And that's what happened. But what I never considered was how that would impact, like, how I felt about myself right. and how I felt about what I was doing and how I felt about my relationships around me. And what happens if my relationships around me start to fall apart a little bit? You know, those were nowhere in my expectations. At first, when I graduated Penn State, I thought I was actually going to move to Toronto um, because I had one really good connection in Toronto. And at the time it made sense. But what what kept me from doing that was, aside from um, being lucky enough to find representation, was uh, the fact that I had no community up there, right? right. So. I go to New York thinking the community is going to be stable enough for me to just like figure it out. And the truth is, is that you need to put yourself first. And I don't, I don't know. I still have trouble with this. And I think probably a lot of people do um, of like, how do I put myself first at least a little bit every single day so that I don't lose my mind. So I think that's, that's where the, the expectations I think fell a little bit was, um, was just, I, I didn't know that I could be that sad sometimes, like to, if I'm honest. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like I've been out for three years now and I still just think constantly about that transition um, and what I wish I had known, but also probably what I wouldn't have understood were it told to me earlier anyway. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where, you get thrown in the deep end and you're like just there. Yeah. You can't really like theorize how to swim, like maybe a little bit, but mm -hmm. you know, until you're in the water, so to speak, that's the, that's just like when you get to practicing. Um, and I, I don't know, I think about it all the time. So thank you for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, I mean, th this, this, I don't have to tell you this, but the auditioning, auditioning is a job in itself and, mm -hmm. um, that you don't get paid for. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot that I wish I, I knew about the industry before entering it. And I think that has actually, that has actually informed the fact that I don't want to go to grad school yet because I don't want to enter another industry without understanding what it's like in mm -hmm. a real world concept because yeah. you just can't 
you just can't know until you're there, um, how you feel about it. But I don't know. Do you, do you feel jaded at all? Like, are you afraid of burning out like, or falling out of love with it? That's a great question. I did, um, I did a music video last year and had the best time. I like, it was just every single day we were shooting. I had to drive an hour and a half to get there. And it was just so much fun. I didn't care. I didn't mind driving. I didn't mind the work. I didn't mind the process. Um, I didn't know any of these people, uh, but we became like fast friends and we connected and the actress I was with was fantastic. And um, it just worked and it just felt right. You know, I used to, I played baseball growing up and I used to, I was a catcher and I was like, being back here feels just right. You know, that's like, yeah. that's just always how it felt. Doing that music video felt just right. Um, and I haven't found anything else in my life aside from being a catcher, which my, my legs aren't that good anymore. <laughs> um, uh, being a catcher or, or, you know, being a performer in some regard that has given me that feeling. Um, and I'm always, it's always so nice to jump into a setting like that again, uh, of performing in any regard, because I'm always reminded that like, yeah. I'm, I'm having the time of my life here. Like it, it may have been, uh, a bitch and a half to get to this point, but <laughs> I, this, this, this is great. Um, so when it comes to feeling jaded where I don't know that I, I don't know that jaded's the right word. I feel like I feel like in life, like I don't blame the industry for this. I feel like in life, people develop a way of doing things. And then in their minds, there's no other way to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and so growing up, you listen to these authorities of the industry tell you a bunch of things. Like, for example, I know every actor ever who has ever heard this, uh, you cannot have a fallback plan. You have to be in this 110 have any other interests exactly right yes. and i think that's bullshit i think I that agree. there are a, i think that there are a lot of people who just find themselves that, that don't do any training whatsoever and they just find themselves in the in the right place and right time and get to do it and then they can go back to their day job if they want like that's just there, there's i, I there's, was just saying that to cameron last night because yeah you know even as i'm um, pivoting into the publishing industry, right. I still, like, I still feel like I identify as a performer. Like it's, it's yeah. that, that's not going to leave my body. And this experience isn't going to, like, I'm not going to suddenly be someone else just because I'm exploring and another interest of mine. And right. And I just don't find it linear, you know? I agree. And there's, and there's no reason that even if you you're leaving it right now, there's no reason that you couldn't try again, or you couldn't try as you're doing other things. Like those things are possible and should be explored. Um, and you know, there's obviously benefits to only doing the, the, the acting thing forever. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the benefits are going to pay off and you only live one life. I don't know. Like, just no, I, think, I think honestly, it wasn't until everyone had to slow down and, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but we both were privileged enough to, um, you know, take pause and kind of reevaluate or just evaluate period, um, which was not the case for a lot of people. So I acknowledge that privilege, um, 
first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Oh geez. Now I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, what were we, ju- what did you just say? Here, let me, let me get back into it just a little bit and then maybe okay. you'll, you'll remember. So I, I don't know that I feel jaded by the industry. I just feel frustrated with oh, the fact yep. that I had a, <laughs> that I had a perspective on how this was supposed to go my sort of my whole life. And then I get into the industry and I realize like, no, I can, I can do this the way that I want to do it and it can still work. You know, there, there are other factors to that, obviously, but I don't have to, you know, I don't have to dedicate every day, all day to this thing. I, you know, I can, I can go and, and do other things and live other aspects of my life and it still be just as beneficial as submitting you know, five to 10 auditions, right. When I wake up in the morning, like, like the, these That's things what, are all possible. That's what I was going to say is I think slowing down, um, really created space for people to accept other, you know, exploring other interests or just mm-hmm. finding other ways to live sustainably outside of auditioning and outside of acting. And so I think now a lot of actors are, there's just like less of that toxicity of like this is all you have to do this is the your right. only focus that you're allowed to have right. um so i think that will be a good change that i hope um sticks around and i agree on that, note, on that note did you want to do this like when you were little like what did you want to be when you grew up <laughs> oh what a good question well you um, uh, yeah i mean I, i'm curious but also you know you were mentioning uh, like your expectations or how you saw, yeah, how you thought you were going to see the world when you entered. So, right. Um, no, I, I definitely was, you know, like growing up and dealing with, you know, masculinity and what my masculinity meant in culture. I definitely thought it was weird to do theater. I definitely thought it was weird to do anything aside from like play a sport. Um, and so growing up, I sort of, uh, always just envisioned myself, like just figuring it out later. Like, I don't know that I really ever had, uh, some sort of, uh, dream, but I did know that I was dramatic. Like I, I was the kid, I was the kid who would like, like kind of sort of fall and make a really big deal of how I just fell. You know what I mean? Everybody. And I made it everybody's problem. Um, and like, I, like, I remember very early on, my mom was like, you should just go to an acting class. And I said, no, it's really weird. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, uh, I was friends with a, uh, a couple of people who going into high school decided they were going to audition for the play. And I kind of had a crush on one of them and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Sure. (laughs) You know, whatever. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I got into the play and I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm, I like, I have to figure this out. I have to do this. Um, and I had already like done some Shakespeare stuff in like English class. So it was already like, you know, gazing my interest a little bit. Uh, but then doing that play and being part of that process for the first time really like kind of changed the world for me, like changed my whole, whole brain around. Um, and I knew that I just wanted to keep doing it over and over and over again. And then I did a play, a short, a short play called and. Um, and, and was the first like play where 
it was like about like a philosophical idea or like they're all about philosophical ideas, but this one was like very clearly about a philosophical idea. And the, the idea uh, explored the simultaneity of life and how so many things bad or good can happen all at once. And there's no feasible way to keep track of it all, to manage it all, uh, or to even have like the emotional energy to even respond to it all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a really, really interesting concept to play around with um, in my mind. And the same time in my life, my grandmother was passing away. Um, and uh, not long before she did, uh, she sort of told me, she's like, you need to like see if there's a path in this world for you because you are too good at it. And I can tell that you love it more than anything. Um, yeah. and that, you know, really touched my heart, obviously. And so it was after, it wasn't long after that, that I started to, um, consider like not going to college and like moving straight to New York to see if I could do that. Or if I was going to go to college, like what college I was going to go to and, and what programs I was going to be. And Penn state being ended up being the only college visit that I enjoyed myself at. (laughs) Um, and so, and that's, and that's, you know, why, uh, Penn state happened. So, um, but coming from like, I don't really knew, know that I ever had manageable expectations of what this was, what this was going to be until I got to college. Um, it was, it definitely, you know, the expectations were vastly different in high school, but I think that's just because I was in high school and I didn't know anything and I didn't try to know anything either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, that was such a good answer. It was like, <laughs> I, my, mine was so basic. Like when I, when I was a kid, well, first, I think my, the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to be an architect and then like, in I wanted school, to be an architect. I definitely remember wanting to be an architect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I just like blocks <laughs> or like, <laughs> um, but in high school I was debating theater or psychology and then I took my AP psych course and I was shocked at how much science it was and I was like <laughs> uh never mind <laughs> you know like trying to memorize the parts of the brain it right just was you know not not great for me <laughs> right um cool well I okay I and I and I remember you mentioned this earlier uh when we were talking about Josh Radner but um uh, mental health. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about this mid pandemic and yep. we were both sort of having a moment. And like I was saying, safe and healthy, thank God, roof over our heads, acknowledging mm-hmm. that um, mental health was definitely faltering a bit. And I only asked this because I know that you're on the other side of things now, but would you be open to talking about that? Like, how did you manage that? And and learn from it perhaps, or learn more about yourself in that moment. Um, yeah. 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 The hardest part when you're in that like deep mental health rut is, uh, taking a step forward. Right. And it doesn't, I don't think it really matters what it is, but it has to be a significant step, something that you can celebrate. You know what I mean? Um, and de- like, I think a lot of people think the answer is like, delete your social media. That's not a step. That's just like you, you, you know, that's, I, I think that people blame and rightly so, but they sort of blame where their mental health at is at sometimes on like 
being so invested in what social media is. But in my experience, just deleting social media is not a step in itself. It's just sort of a thing to like isolate you even more in a way, which is really horrible. Um, mm-hmm. So interesting. Interest, yeah. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> I decided one day to like just get a therapist, like, you know, and, and it, it, I don't know what I necessarily expected from it. Um, and what's so funny is that first therapist was a horrible experience. It was an absolutely atrocious experience. Um, like did zero things to help me. In fact, made it worse in, in, in some regards. Um, but it was a step that I could celebrate that I even did something. It also helped that like, in the new year, I found something that I could do every single day that was for me and that um, I could be proud of. And then for me, it was, I have an Apple watch and I was closing my rings on my Apple watch every single day. Um, uh, that, that streak is over, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that was, I, I, so those were sort of the two things that I think propelled me forward into like finding better routines to, uh, for myself to, to get out of the rut that I was in. Um, but it was hiking. Yes. Hiking. Also, I started hiking like often and like just, just, uh, going out and exploring areas that I've never been. And I think the lesson that I got from that was like, there is a desire to step out of my, your comfort zone for me anyway. Like I never really thought that I desired that too much before. Um, but, but there, there really is a desire to go out and meet more people and, and see new things. And the desire is a lot stronger for me than I remember it being. And I think I needed to, uh, unfortunately be super isolated and alone in my, in my basement, uh, to, to sort of discover that. Um, and so I also became really obsessed with my self-awareness and, um, really started hardcore focusing on like, what are things that I was doing for the pandemic or in the pandemic that may have been self-sabotaging, that may have been toxic towards other relationships in my life and really like figuring out like what my role had been in society and how that was affecting myself or other people. Um, And when I started focusing on that, I became like a lot of doors opened up for me, uh, uh, I think mentally of, of like, wow, like there is a ton that I can do to be a better human. And it's not that hard to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that hard to, to acknowledge other people in this way uh, that you hadn't been doing so before. Um, and as a result, like I've made so many friends, even in the pandemic, but now that we're coming out of the pandemic, like there are so many new people that I get to talk to on a, on a day to day. Uh, and, uh, so many like relationships that I am investing in and feel really, really good and and hopeful about, um, even with my imminent move, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it's like, it's like my, my whole world has changed. I think probably the best answer by taking accountability for it, by taking accountability for, 
you know, I didn't, I've never done anything that terrible, but there are still things that I could look back and, and be like, wow, like that was, there was a better way to handle that situation. There's a better way to handle, you know, that phase of your life and mm-hmm. it's happened and it's done with. So don't stress on it, but also like what lessons can you learn um, from that? And so like so writing, like repeat those, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like writing those down, um, and, you know, and, and really like living up to my word and it's still hard and it's, it's still something you, you have to practice at. But I think, I think taking accountability, um, for my own self is what's changed everything, you know? That's no, that's awesome. Um, and that's hard work. So I commend you mm-hmm. for even, uh, like opening that door and trying to make a concerted effort to right. put your best self forward at, at any given time. Um, I think that's, that's all that like we can ask of ourselves, you know? Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah, of course. And I like, I do want to ask briefly about stuck in, stuck in my head. Um, but I feel compelled because of your answer to ask you how, your vision for your future has developed. Mm. Uh, I, I think I've, I think it sort of goes back to what I was saying about like my, my whole uh, vision of what acting is and how I can become the actor that I want to be has completely changed. It used to be the academic answer of like, you need to be taking 20 different classes and you need to be submitting every day and you need to know what's going on every day in the, in the industry and you need to be doing, and there's benefits to doing those things. But I kind of want to learn how to be a boxer. Like mm. that's just something that like developed pretty randomly. Um, and that's something that I'm like, this could help me out in acting in 20 different ways that I can count off my head right now. And beforehand, I just, I don't know that I would have tried to engage in an interest like that without uh, being like, well, how can it specifically help me in every audition room ever? And I think that was a really closed-minded way of thinking about it. So now um, the really uh, vague and uh, uh, the the vague answer is I'm going to just attack the world with more of an open mind and see what comes back when I, you know, put in, put things into it, I'm going to actively try and meet more people. I'm going to actively try and do things that I've never done before. Um, and, and like put in enough effort to maybe become good at it or maybe not, I don't know, but at least I'll have, you know, the experience playing red dead redemption, uh, during the pandemic, when I was really sad made me like, I don't know if you're familiar with that game at all, but you ride horses a lot in that game. And I'm like, I kind of want to learn how to ride a horse. I don't know where that came from. That's never really been a desire before, but I kind of do now. I kind of, and so I like, I, you know, I, I haven't taken the step to actually do it, but I did like look and, you know, have an active interest in, um, in looking at those things. And I think just having a better understanding that those other experiences for my specific thing that I want to do can and will help. And it's silly to think that it won't. And it's also silly to think that I need to be investing all of my time into just like a script every day of my life. You know what I mean? That's just, that's not necessary. No, I know. And that's half the reason that I joined 
a sorority in college because it just drove me crazy when I was surrounded by theater people who were only interested in theater. I was like, seriously, guys, like you have nothing else that you want to do. Like, exactly. Drove me nuts. Yeah, yeah. I know that's perpetuated by the industry, or at least was more so previously. But I totally get it, and Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited that you are excited about those things. It's awesome. Yes, me too. Thank you. Of course. Um, so before we wrap up, I do mm-hmm. want you to be able to plug stuck in my head and just kind of give a little bit more information about that and obviously plug everything else that you, um, where people can find you. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, stuck in my head is a podcast that I started with my two roommates who lived in New York with me. Um, uh, they're Nick Case and Jonathan Hashmane, and it came from a conversation, uh, uh, about like acting and then you can probably apply this to a lot of things actually but how like in acting the goal is to get out of your head and to just kind of like trust your instincts and to trust the script but often what stops us from doing that is being stuck in our heads because we're overanalyzing or overthinking things and uh so the that's where the name comes from and what we talk about is uh or at least season one what we talked about was uh, the things we were stuck in our heads about, about living in New York and, and what, uh, those experiences as actors and what those, how those experiences sort of shaped us and what we wish we knew and what we still were trying to, uh, learn and, and all of those things. Um, and then, uh, season two, you know, is when COVID hit. So that gravitated into more open, uh, dialogue about the industry in general and, and how we're stuck in our heads about, about those things. Quite a few things that, uh, uh, Fiona and I talked about today. Uh, we've sort of gone over on the podcast, uh, probably a couple times. Um, and, uh, and you can find that on, um, Apple podcasts or Spotify just by typing stuck in our head. Uh, is it stuck in my head? Shoot. I don't know the name of my own podcast. I think it's stuck in my head. It's stuck in my head. I know that for a fact. Um, yeah. And, uh, that, that has been a saving grace for me and my mental health. And it's also like, you know, when we talk about like accountability, it's also like, I, I talk about those things there and I learn about more about myself there through really honest and open conversation with Jonathan and Nick, who are both, uh, fantastic human beings. And I'm very, very lucky to have them in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's stuck in my head. Um, and then I don't know, I feel weird about plugging social media, but like, if you want to follow my Instagram, <laughs> you know, Brendan burnt, that's my Instagram. <laughs> um, that'd be, that, that'd be cool if you wanted to. Cool. Big shout out and thank you to my friend Brendan and thank you to all of you for listening. This has been Fiona Winch on Thoughtful Intentions with my guest Brendan Burnt. Go follow the Thoughtful Intentions Instagram account at Thoughtful Intentions Podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks.